Welcome to Bridges in Tech, a podcast dedicated to provide the resources and support needed for women of color to start and thrive in technology careers. My name is Joanna Udo, and every week I chat with technology professionals, allies, leaders, or recruiters to discover ways we can work together to bridge the gap in diversity. We also discuss projects we're working on, new favorite tools, and lessons learned. I am so glad that you are able to join me on this week's episode, and I hope that with everything going on in the world today, you are taking all recommended precautions to stay safe while still looking out for each other and believing that we will all get through this together. If there is anything I can do to assist you during this time, please feel free to reach out. I typically hang out on LinkedIn, and you can find me simply by searching for Joanna Udo. Also, be sure to check out our new website by visiting bridgesintact.com. So, let's get into the episode. I am chatting with Morgan Lucas, a network administrator and tech blogger, and I can't wait for you to learn all about her. Would you mind introducing yourself to the audience and tell us how you got started, uh, what makes you wake up and be excited to do more technology work? Well, first, my name is Morgan Lucas. I live in Florida for now. I'm just kind of chilling out here. I write on my blog. It's called runtcpip.com. It's a play on words that I'm not sure most people get, so maybe I should change the name there. (laughs) I started... (laughs) I started working with computers when I was little. For some reason, I found that hitting the monitor made it work. I mean, I don't do that anymore to fix a computer, but for some reason, (laughs) it just kind of started me on this path. So in high school, I went to trade school for computer networking. In college, I just stayed on that path with a minor in cybersecurity to match a major in network infrastructure. And now I'm just out here getting some certifications, doing some remote writing work, and just looking for the next remote job. Uh, because you are only interested in remote work, right? Somewhat. If a company wants to pay me to move there and it's someplace that I feel safe at, then I probably won't have an issue with it. I know most companies, they don't want to dish out money for anything besides a ping pong table. So (laughs) This is true. So how long would you say you've been doing this for? The freelance stuff probably since about 2016, right right after I graduated, because I don't live in a space with a whole bunch of like tech jobs or awkward mobility for now. So I have to do things remote. I have to do what comes my way. Oftentimes, Robert Half, if you're trying to get into the field, connect with your local Robert Half representative. They're going to send you some stuff. It's not going to be overly complicated, depending on where you are. They send me some positions and I just do them maybe about once or twice a month sometimes. And uh, what are some of your specialties? So you you talked about networks and infrastructure. So if I were to hire you today, what would you like to focus on? I would like to focus on local area networks. Basically, can you at your computer or your laptop talk to the person next to you on their computer or their laptop? Can you you get the resources that you need to better do your job. Basically, I support you do your job for the company. I'm the backbone here. And if somebody wanted to 
go into that role. They're like, oh, that sounds cool. I'd love to be that support, that backbone for my organization. Uh, what would you recommend that they do to get started? Say they're like completely like, you know, fresh off the boat of <laughs> uh, technology. Uh, what would be some of the things they should try out first? First, if you can, go to your local IT desk and I won't say see if they're hiring, but like see, yeah, let me put it, let me rephrase that. You can go to your local IT desk. You, you can maybe ask them, hey, what are the kind of tickets that you usually get here? What are problems that a lot of people come to you with? And they might tell you, they should tell you if they're a good IT desk. It's like, okay, maybe I can research how to fix that so that maybe we can lessen the amount of tickets that go to you all. Another thing they might tell you to do is get some certifications. Now, if you want to go to the networking certification, Cisco, the CCNA, the Cisco Certified CC Network Associate, I'm sorry, I had to spell that out. <laughs> they actually just released a new one in February, I think February the 24th. It's going to have a lot of basics about the new line of networking. Like it's going to be towards Cisco routers and switches. And, if, and Cisco routers and switches are basically the premier the infrastructure around the world. More people are using Cisco than they're using Juniper or Palo Alto, even though those are also good alternatives. And Cisco has a lot of help for you out there. You can sign up for Netacad for free on their website. That's what I did in tandem with going to school. You can also download Packet Tracer for Windows, or you can download other things for Mac. And you can basically use a virtualized environment to kind of put together your little fake routers and switches and kind of have things ping one another. And it's pretty in depth, but they might also, but most people start at the help desk and there's nothing wrong with help desk. It's actually pretty fun in my opinion. And if you start there, they're going to say, okay, you probably need your CompTIA A plus. And last time I checked, those are two tests and they were about $300 each. So you might want to express some interest to your company saying, Hey, I want to be the backbone. I want to be network support and I'm happy to start a help desk, but can you help me pay for some of these certifications? I do want to point out for people who are transitioning from a different field, we actually need you. I don't know if you go on Twitter a lot, but if you see some people that we have in the tech industry already, they could use a bit of empathy training, to put it like that. <laughs> some of them just really need some empathy training there, and we could use people like you who have some sociological knowledge about people who aren't, you know, these upper middle class people from these fancy tech hubs. We also need people who are graphic designers. Like I can't design a graphic and save my life that everybody else won't think is ugly. So coding and like programming is actually a fairly, it's an important part, yes, but it's a small part of technology. So even if you don't think you would fit in with technology because you write or you, I don't know, you write, you design a building. I don't know what other people do, man. You cook, you cook or do something like that. You can absolutely, you can absolutely show up to some kind of tech building. I mean, you see all these tech buildings. They're like, oh, we have on-site snacks. Well, somebody has to make the snacks. I mean, you get to help people out there. You get to make sure that we get to eat and everything. Absolutely, and uh, that's actually been my message for a long time about the possibilities in technology there's something for everyone i don't care if you're a nurse a doctor a cook a customer service representative somebody has a job that you're the perfect fit for in it 
right, and uh, you're probably getting paid more to be a customer service rep for a technology company than you are for Walmart, even though, again, that's important. And my criticism is with Walmart and not with you for being underpaid. Just want to say that. <laughs> yeah, very cool. So you are um, obviously pro certifications. So what are some of the added advantage of having a certification? And I understand, you know, if you were completely brand new in the field, uh, that is going to help with that knowledge because hopefully you are learning something uh, and studying this materials to pass the exams and hopefully you can apply that in real life. But what you do, what would you say is the, added advantage of having a certification? So depending on the company you apply for, well, let's just, let's just say that you're still working at your company and they actually like value your degree, your certifications and what you bring to the table. A lot of employers, they will look at certifications. Some of them are okay with them. A lot of people say, it doesn't matter that you have a certification. I wanna see what you can do. Even though a certification is a step up, like I understand at higher levels, like if you're becoming senior network administrator of that, certifications might not matter as much to them as to what you have done over the past. That's totally fair. But there are a lot of instances where these entry-level positions will ask for like three certifications and the people who have them don't get hired anyway. And so I'm like, okay, thanks for wasting everybody's time and money. But besides that, you could definitely take the certifications and write down what you know, build some projects that you can actually point to for businesses and say, yes, I read the books and yes, I did the labs and took the test and passed it, but I've actually have done hands-on work and I can build these things and I can, you know, install a graphics card to a computer or plug an ethernet cable into a switch. Well, actually it should be ethernet cable into a router, but whatever. Like, <laughs> That's besides the point. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can do these things and the test just says, yes, I can do it and I can physically prove it to you as well. What would you say is the biggest struggle um, getting into the field, right? You've, uh, a person may have the certification, have the uh, studies and degrees and whatever else, and they still can't get hired. They're applying, they're interviewing. What would you say is the biggest uh, problem with the system of hiring? Okay, first, I... I have been one of those people for a very long time. I said before, I have the degrees, I have the certifications, but I don't have permanent work. And the biggest thing is location. If you live out in the sticks like I do, people will look at what you have and they say, you're too qualified to do this, or I have no idea what any of this means. So if you live in like a bigger city, like if you live somewhere like Atlanta or New York or Boston or Austin, I don't mean to rhyme, or San Francisco, you might have a lot more competition, but you are going to have a lot more jobs. And first, when you're interviewing, you do have to make sure that you don't know the other people you're interviewing against. You don't know your competition, and that's fair, I suppose. But you do have to look at yourself and see, what am I doing wrong, or what can I improve upon? And sometimes you're doing everything perfectly, and you just won't get hired, because that's the way it is. And a lot of companies like to farm for people's resumes and then not actually hire anybody. And so it might not be you. It might be corporate rigmarole. It might be just corporate BS that's preventing you from being hired. But a lot of times you can look inward and see what you're doing that might make you look undesirable to a company. But again, location is the biggest one. And 
a lot of companies are finally going with remote work because they understand that the resentment that builds up when you have to commute two hours a day, that means people are going to leave your company. So hopefully in 2020, a lot of people get modern and get remote. Right. And a lot of IT jobs um, can be done remote, whether or not the company allows it. Um, I mean, unless you're physically going in and setting up routers and switches, then you need to be there in person. But for the most part, you're not putting those up every single day of the week. So you should still be able to do majority of that work remote and go in maybe to put those uh, physical stuff. It's just a matter of companies adapting, which, you know, it's a world we live in. Um, what has been the best thing about working as a technology professional for you? The best part is definitely having, well, it may not be best for you, but personally, I always enjoy the fact that my family, like my extended family, they know that I can help them with something if I happen to be visiting the area. But like, it's an opportunity to be exposed to some different technologies and I can just slap that on a resume or write a blog post about it. Like for instance, I think in August, yeah, I believe August, we went to visit some family on the other side of the state. And my uncle was like, I can't exactly log into my Mac computer. Can you help me out here? And it was something to do with having to reset the file system. But for some reason, he didn't have like any keyboards to work with it because it was a desktop. But at least we did kind of figure out the steps that he could take whenever he got around to getting a USB keyboard to plug it in. And so I can put Mac technician on my resume in even though I have a MacBook Air and I've had it for six years and I've worked on that. So it's not just, I did one thing for two minutes. <laughs> on the but that's, that's actually a good point though, that helping other people is a really good way to learn. So if you're just getting started in the field and wondering how to get experience, just help people because that's really what it is when you start doing the real work. You can never predict what the problem is going to be. Uh, so you just have to be willing to learn and tackle that problem. So I really like that, but also adding it to your resume. I don't think I've ever done that. So I might need to go redo my resume. <laughs> All those family members that have been bugging me for years, they can finally be useful. <laughs> um, what do you do for fun? I know you write a lot. So what, what else do you do for fun? Chances are I'm probably going outside trying to care for plants. Keyword is trying there. <laughs> Usually the only thing I can grow is aloe. We have about five or six giant aloe plants around here. I'm working on growing a tiny little spruce plant that I got from Target. And he's hanging in there. He's been not there for about three months now. So good for him. <laughs> and I also yeah. like stuff. <clears throat> oh, nice. I have never been able to grow anything of so. I wanted to get one of those plants that I can just put at my desk, but it doesn't require so much. Maybe just water it every, maybe once a week, <laughs> like something like that. I don't think I can be consistent enough to do it every day. So if you have plant recommendations, you should send them my way. One of the questions that you hear often is, I'm already in the field and I am not advancing, right? So I joined, a company and I work at the help desk in hopes that I would end up leaving this into a more advanced role. 
and it's three years in. I'm sort of bored. I'm done. I've applied to everything that's available and no luck. What would you recommend that people do in that situation? First, I want to congratulate you. Good on knowing that you have to jump ship to another company because oftentimes your company will not help you out there. That's just the way it is. You do this job, they don't want to invest in you anymore. And then they wonder why turnover is so high because mm-hmm. they don't want to invest in anybody. So good on you for getting up and applying to other jobs. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to be very linked in here and say that you need to network with other people. Like definitely, I have a list of people at companies I would like to work with every so often, maybe twice a week, I will go through there, see who's active, like a post, comment a post, be on their radar so that if something comes along that you find, you can just kind of send it to them saying, hey, can you help me out here? Can you point me in the direction of like whoever's hiring for this position? And even then, you don't actually have to know people. If you can find their email address, which is pretty easy to find a business email address these days, If you find a job, definitely apply for it. And then maybe a few days later, find a recruiter and send a message with the job listing and say, hey, I applied for this. Can you point me in the direction of the person who is hiring for it? Also, like we said before, if you're not advancing, honestly, get some more. I don't want to I don't want to say get some more certifications or get some more degrees because there is an influx of people with certifications and degrees and kind of it's a struggle to get hired still you have the experience behind you so that's great but maybe also work as contact a staffing professional service like tech systems or robert hack maybe you can do something on the weekends to like kind of pad your resume out a little bit like you might be a help desk but they they can look at your resume and say oh okay so you can reset a password or you can reset a printer or add a mouse to a computer, maybe you can do set up this little tiny wireless network or something like that. Like it's a step forward. You can do it on your weekends. You can do it after work and you can add it to your resume that way. So you have some recent things to show that, yes, you are kind of advancing into the networking sphere a little bit and you would like to go further. Maybe that would impress me for That's very good advice. And it was a good segue because I was going to ask you a little bit about LinkedIn because you're very active on LinkedIn. Um, and I think you already sort of touched on those points of how people can use the LinkedIn, you know, better to set themselves apart. What are the recommend, uh, LinkedIn recommendations that you have for people? There are a lot of people there that don't use LinkedIn and there are a lot of people that use LinkedIn and they only post, you know, once every year when their work anniversary <laughs> comes up and people are messaging you, you're like, oh yeah, that thing, uh, let me respond. What would be your advice for people that are just now starting to join LinkedIn? <laughs> okay, first, take your LinkedIn a place that you actually don't hate visiting, let me put it that way. Because mm. I've actually started a new account, I just transferred all my connections because I was a little tired. I wasn't tired of just everybody else, how they were acting. I was tired of how I was acting too, because it's kind of easy to get bogged down in the negativity of LinkedIn. So Mm. I just made a new account. I just follow the things I like. I follow the companies I would like to work for, and I follow things that interest me. Like I follow a ton of movie studios and animation studios because I think it's interesting, and I can at least show some passion for something I like and look look positive to an employer and second recommendation, also find some people that you like. My 
I would actually tell you to go on Twitter because you can network just as well on Twitter there and you're more likely to be yourself and still get hired. I noticed on LinkedIn, being yourself is kind of not a good thing, despite how- It's frowned upon. Yeah. (laughs) We don't, fun is not something we do here on LinkedIn, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Go on on Twitter, find some people, ask them if you can connect with them on LinkedIn and just, if if they're active, if they're not active, still connect with them so that you can boost your numbers. But you can also, you know, Network with people on Twitter. You can be yourself. You can have some fun. And if you have to go on LinkedIn, post something at least once a week. I'm trying to get something off the ground where a lot of people will set up business pages and they'll be interesting companies too, but they won't actually use them. I remember, I think AMC Theater, and I was like, oh boy, I like these people. And then I go to their business page and nothing's there. I'm like, how about you actually use it for the five people like me who like your product enough to actually follow you on this business website here? Like, so. I am trying to like get the word out that, hey, if you need me to post something like twice a week to your business page for a month or something like that, I can charge you some money for that. So you can at least look like you care because I find it so strange that companies want people to be active on LinkedIn, but they're not willing to do the same, but it's kind of not that surprising, I guess. So that's a very good idea, actually, because uh, they do this on Facebook and Instagram. You can hire a social media uh, manager that will manage, you know, create content strategy, uh, post for you every so often uh, based on whatever package they offer. So that's a good thing for LinkedIn, because I don't know if people do that. Maybe they do. I don't know. But you really should get that off the ground because. Um, Bridges and Tech has a business page now, but I have not posted one thing. I haven't even told people to like it. So <laughs> I'm just hiding, pretending it's not there. I'm like, I have to manage my page and that page. And it seems like a lot of work. So I'm just going to pretend it's not there. <laughs> so you went to the Grace Hopper conference last year, I right? Did. Yep. You want to uh, talk about how you got a pass to go there and what you learned from there? Okay, so at first when they sent me the email, I thought it was a scam because, <laughs> because a lot, because hey, when you're doing cybersecurity, you think everything is a scam until you ask <laughs> questions and then they go, no, no, it's real. I'm like, All right, cool. It's basically from my blog. Like I just wrote what I liked and they're like, hey, we have some free passes here. Submit your form submit why you should have one and maybe we'll choose you and maybe we'll send it to you. And that's exactly what I did. They were like, here's a four day pass because we like your blog and it seems like you could really benefit from being here. However, I mean, again, nice place. It was in Orlando. I was probably going to be in Orlando again this year. Do keep in mind that it's a bit more for programmers, data developers, DevOps, and it's not a lot of networking it's not a lot of people who are looking to hire networkers, but there are a few, and there are two companies that actually did it. It was the Hartsfeld Insurance Company, and it was Walt Disney. They were like the only two people who acknowledged that network administrators exist and that, yes, we can hire you, and we're here to hire people like you. But you don't go just to get hired, because there's a whole bunch of panels, actually it's basically just panels that you can visit, and most of the time you can sign up through the app or you can just kind of show up and wait in the standby line. One of my favorite panels actually was how Netflix made like Black Mirror Bandersnatch. I don't know if you have 
have Netflix or watch Black Mirror. I actually don't have Netflix. So I have Netflix, but I have yeah. not watched Black Mirror. <laughs> neither, because honestly, neither have I. It's a little bit too scary for me, but you know, they do have <laughs> like the technology. It's like a choose your own adventure thing. It's it's not just in Black Mirror. It's in some other of their original programming as well. And that was really cool to see how they did that. And when I went back to my room for the night because I was staying with a relative, they had Netflix. And so I pulled it up and I just spent about an hour just kind of clicking through all the different paths going, hey, I know how this works and it's really cool now. So you could definitely learn a lot of things that are outside of your scope of knowledge. And you should, like, you could definitely go to network and there are a whole bunch of after parties afterwards. I actually was invited to an after party that had the CEO of Square. And if you know who that is, you know who that is. So you can go look them up. And you can definitely Use LinkedIn. Go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and your after parties and stuff like that and breakfast stuff, but you should definitely go if you get an invitation, if you kind of show up, you should definitely go and look at like all the panels that even if you have a mild interest in them, because I went to panels for stuff I had no idea about. Like I don't know what this is, but it sure seems interesting and I'm here, so why not? <laughs> I I will if I can I will say that the reason people show up there is to be hired on the spot. So the amount of businesses who are like, here's a card, apply online. I would have been really angry if I paid a thousand dollars to be at this conference just to hear apply online. I'm like, look, I know to apply online. I'm here to put this resume in your hands. And right. I, I understand you don't want it to be lost or anything, but I can apply online at my home with a thousand dollars in my bank account. So I just hope that in the future, they just kind of a little bit more aware of why people are there. Yeah. Um, I hate that about if you go to an event and there are companies there and they still go apply online, maybe a better idea would be, I don't know, set up some touch screen thing where I put in my email address and, I attach my resume or I give it to you and I check the box that I gave it to you or something. It sort of defeats the whole purpose of coming out only to be told you could have done it from home. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> but, but some of these companies though, they even on their website, they're like, apply here. And then you go and just say, upload resume and you upload a resume and the next thing it's like asking you all the same questions from your resume and they're now required fields and you can't skip out of it and you're like what was even the point why exactly. did you tell me to upload a resume if you were not going to read it <laughs> yeah, it's like i i think it's depending on how people upload their resumes like pdfs are a little bit more difficult for ats to read but apparently mm -hmm docs like word documents are a little easier so i've started applying with word documents now but honestly if your application process is like that where i have to upload a resume then fill out the information again unless i really like your company i'm probably not going to do that now if it auto fills it in that's fine and if i have to add one or two things that's fine it's a few extra seconds of effort here but your application process is a direct reflection of you as a company. If you're mm -hmm. cumbersome and slow and redundant, sure, a, techn a technician might think, look at that and say, hey, I can improve these processes, let's go. But I'm going to look at that and say, is it really worth dealing with a company that doesn't have 
this is 2020. This right, is 2020. basic technology. Yeah, this is basic technology that you should be installing here to make it easier for not only the job seeker, but for you as well, because looking at this like this can't be easy for you either. Yeah, no, and I've read some things about uh, companies that struggle with hiring the newer generation, so millennials, and I don't know where you're following, but I am a proud millennial, and they talk about <laughs> how hard it is to hire them. Or, But I look at things like I want to apply for a job, and I can't just go on this phone and tap a link and be able to do everything out of that. I have to go find some old computer, put all this information in, upload my resume, and it doesn't pre-fill. And for me now, it's even worse because anything I do online, if I click on the name field and I have a MacBook and it doesn't automatically pick up like my name and address, yeah. like we're out. Like, <laughs> I'm not typing all this. Because <laughs> who's developing this thing? Like, come on, get with the times. It is a name field. It should already know what it is and, you know, email address and and if I type in an email address and then I have to type in my whole address and there are necessary fields about questions that are so irrelevant, exactly. it's like, okay, well, no thanks. I don't have the energy, but. Right, it's like, <laughs> I don't need to apply to a position that you're probably not gonna hire me for because of some arbitrary demands anyway, and yet you want my address and you're not even gonna make it easy for you to reject me. Like, I'm gonna go somewhere that values my time a little bit more. Yep. Absolutely. Um, what other conferences uh, do you recommend? Actually, Grace Hopper was my first conference ever. So. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we need to get you to more conferences so you can um, tell us and write about it so we all know. Um, I love conferences. I think they're great networking opportunities, but they also kind of pull you out of your shell of the same things you hear uh, all the time. And you go and you meet new people, you learn about new technologies, you learn. For me, it's even just learning about what other people do in other organizations. So I was a voice engineer for four years, well, unified communications engineer for four years. And it was always just fascinating talking to a person in the same role, but at a different company, right? Like how they do things. So it's like, oh, that's interesting. Like I wouldn't have thought about that. Um, so I highly recommend them, but they are expensive. Yeah. Um, so only do it when your company sponsors it <laughs> or you get free tickets um, like Morgan did. Um, what are some final thoughts that you would want this audience to know or learn from? All right. So one thing I was determined to say for this podcast was be consider the good that your company is doing if you apply for them or if you work for them. I understand that not everybody is in a position to say no to a paycheck. And I, I understand that. And I'm not going to blame you as an individual. That's just the way our society is built on to put you between supporting something terrible or having a roof over your head. So that's fair enough. If you, if you have no choice, that's fair enough, and I don't blame you. If you do have a choice, consider the impact that your technology is having. Like, why is it? Should you be making something like Clearview AI, where the police can have a database of facial recognition inputs? Like, should you be doing that? How is that going to help the marginalized people in your country, or maybe even the marginalized people in your own company? Like, consider the good that your technology is doing, and just kind of be 
concerned about that if you have a mindset to. That's a very good point. Um, yeah, once you've gotten experience, got some money to live off of for a minute, you know, and not worry where your next meal is coming tomorrow, you really should consider that. That's a very big part for me. I look at uh, what the company is doing. I look at their community involvement and, you know, the types of things they usually donate to you and what products, right? What is it that I am going to be supporting? So I work for a healthcare company. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's really important because I know exactly what they are doing, but I don't feel like I would get the same satisfaction if I worked for a company that was producing like styrofoam, for example. Nothing wrong with styrofoam, but I just don't feel like I would get the same fulfillment. And I think it's important for people to actually identify what it is that they value right because once you know that then you can look at this other things you know maybe the value is making that clear view and <laughs> not just kidding <laughs> i'm just kidding um so what part of florida are you in just curious i live in the panhandle in panama city basically from march to about august we get a whole bunch of people coming in, blocking up our roads and yes. taking up too much stuff. But you guys are really warm right now. Oh, oh it's actually raining out there right now. But uh, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.